intro. Thanks, Sam. Well, it's good to be in front of you again. Um, good to be invited back, I suppose. I uh, did one in January, and I got the invite back, so that's a win, you know. Could have all been uh, a different story, but no, it's good to be here. Um, let's just open in prayer. Father God, I just thank you for today. I thank you that we can come together and gather in your name and learn about you. And I pray that the words I speak today, Lord, would be from you, um, that they would be spiritual truth, Lord, um, from you to each of us. Uh, meet us in our point of need. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, it's traditional uh, to get the grey matter tuning, and I've got some Bible trivia to warm us up. <laughs> Has anyone got their Bibles? The last one, the third question I've got, is literally the gold standard of Bible trivia. So unless anyone studied that, they might have a bit of trouble. But we'll start off with a couple of other ones. Uh, does anybody know how many books there are in the Bible in total? Oh, Jocelyn, where's my crunchy? Oh, here we go. <laughs> if, I, if I run out of material, we can definitely do that at the end. There you go. <laughs> we'll get the drums going. Secondly, uh, Abraham was one of the fathers of the Bible. What was his original name before God changed it to Abraham? Abram. Abram. I heard Nettie over there. Well done, young man. I trust that will get to you. All right, here we go. Number three. How many fish did Peter catch when he went out fishing after Jesus was crucified? He was going through a bit of a tough time, got back to his roots, went out, cast a net. Does anybody know how many fish he caught? It's in John chapter 21. I'll uh, allow you to do a bit of a googs. There is a number of fish. Oh, a little bit higher than 134, but that's pretty close. 154 is slightly too high by maybe like one fish. <laughs> Anyone? Anyone? Worked out what one lower than 154 is? <laughs> hey, well, I heard a mumble over there. I'm going to give it to you. Well done, Richard. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll call it close enough. If you, <laughs> well, they were large fish, and the net didn't break. So that's in John, if you don't believe me, chapter 21, <laughs> verse 11. Call me out afterwards. All right, so we're working through a four-week series at the moment on the value of integrity. Um, which is based around Psalm 24. Seth, of course, shared last week. And uh, the Psalms as a book in the Bible are, are pretty special. They're pretty amazing because most of it's historical. We went here, we did this, we killed this army. But um, the Psalms is poetry and, and uh, songs that are written by people who are going through some struggles. Um, it's the emotion and the humanity of their situation that comes through, which is quite different to a lot of the rest of the Bible. And uh, this one, Psalm 24, David wrote it in, um, at the stage of life where he was bringing the ark of God back to Jerusalem, back to its home. So it was party time. And uh, let's read Psalm 24 from verse 3 to verse 5. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place? And this next bit is where we list the four virtues that we're going to study over the next four weeks. He who has clean hands... In a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol or sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. So, those four virtues listed there clean hands, pure heart, 
no idols, and honest speech. We're going to study over the four weeks. Uh, last week, Seth went through clean hands, and he framed it in the way of responding to a challenging situation, whether it's at work or in family when there's some conflict. The first question to ask is, what does God's word say about how I should react to the situation? Secondly, how does my response, my action, stir the spirit within me? And thirdly, how does my action affect people, both now and afterwards? But enough about him. It's my turn. So today we're going to do what is a pure heart. And I think a pure heart can be summarized as having a singleness of heart towards God. It's not a partial heart. It's not a heart that's partially towards him but divided with something else. It needs to be pure, 100% pure towards God and his purposes in our life. There's no deception in a pure heart. There's no divided allegiance. We don't have room for love of God and love of the world if we have a pure heart or love of God at the same time as having a love of money. And uh, just to illustrate that, um, Asher had his birthday a few weeks ago and uh, pretty much since Christmas he'd been telling us all about what he wanted for his, for his birthday present. I'm sure your parents can relate to that. Um, Noah's a little bit different. He usually comes up with a short list of three or four things that he thinks will be acceptable, um, so we get to choose. But um, Asher, from the beginning, wanted to get a drone, one of the flying ones that you, you know, quadrocopters that you can fly around. And pretty much nothing could sway him from this, uh, this desire to get this drone. And he, he knew money was tight, and um, we never gave him a yes or a no as we got closer and closer. And he eventually got to the point where he said, oh, guys, if you can't get me the drone, I understand, but I just want to, you know, just want to float it again. That, that's what I'm keen for, you know. Out of everything that you could possibly buy me in the world, the drone is what I want. And so we had a little chuckle, and we, we did manage to get it. I think he's got it today, so you might get a demonstration after church. But that single-mindedness, that thing that didn't let him sway from what he wanted, that's the singleness of mind that we need if we have a pure heart from God. When we're, genuine, when we're genuinely aligned with his purpose for our life, it means our inward spirit, our mind, our soul, and our outward uh, interaction with the world, our emotions, the way we conduct ourselves, everything is in alignment and pure um, with regard to God's purposes in our lives. It's where honesty comes from. You can't, have, you can't think one thing in, on the inside but conduct yourself in a different way on the outside and retain your integrity, retain your honesty. It means... You have the same on the in as you are on the out. And Jesus summed this up when he was on earth. He said, the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and with all your heart. That's basically the crux of the matter. To have a pure heart, we need to be 100% sold out to him. And that's not something we can just sort of tick the box and achieve in a day. You know? It's something we need to work towards um, over our entire Christian life, I think. And maybe we'll never get there, but this is, the, this is the destination, this is the goal that Jesus wanted us to strive for in our lives. So I've just broken that down into three parts. A pure heart, when you have a pure heart, you have integrity in relation to yourself. As I mentioned before, your inward self, your mind, your spirit is the same as the way that you conduct yourself in the world on the outside. It means you're transparent. You're not saying one thing but thinking another. And uh, when Jesus came to earth, there was a, a group of people, the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day that he had a real problem with. 
and it was because they didn't have this alignment, they didn't have this purity, they were pretending to be religious and doing, ticking all the boxes in terms of the rules they'd made for themselves. But Jesus said, you're just a whitewashed wall on the inside. You don't even have a relationship with God. You've just created the structure on the outside for people to see and, and think that you are better than them. You're more holy than them. But he spoke and said, it's about what's in your heart. It's about having that transparency towards yourself, that integrity to act the way that you think on the inside. Secondly, integrity can be defined in relation to other people. And I define this as genuineness. It's not misleading people. It's not manipulating other people to get a certain result in a certain situation. But if you conduct yourself in a way where you're secure in the way that God thinks about you, you have that revelation of what you mean to him, it frees you from trying to control and manipulate other people to get the results that you want in life. Because you've, you've given that to him, you've trusted in him. And thirdly, integrity in relation to God. And the way I frame that is giving God control of our priorities. Often in life, we will, we will try and decide where we need to go, what we need to do. But if we don't give that over to God himself, then we'll be in a position where we're not pure. We don't have that integrity, that, that alignment with his purposes in our lives. We allow ourselves to get in the way of what he wants to work through us. So I encourage you today to think about that. What is a pure heart? Integrity, basically, alignment, purity, having that, that priority in our lives that matches what God wants for us. So how do we get a pure heart? Um, if we go back to Psalm 24, um, David begins by framing these verses with the words, who can ascend the holy hill? Who can enter the holy place? And from a New Testament perspective, I think we can reframe that to say, who can enter the kingdom of God today? And uh, the answer really on our own is nobody can. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God and we've all sinned. We don't meet that perfect standard to dwell in his presence. And Paul wrote that in Romans 3. The righteousness that we have as Christians, as believers, is given to us by God. It's not something that we earn. It's not something that we can strive for. It's a free gift that Jesus gives us um, because of the sacrifice that he's made for us. So the only way to get a pure heart at the end of the day is to give our lives to him and to ask him to give us a pure heart. To work the circumstances of our lives and bring us on a journey where we have yielded to him so that he can purify us and turn us more and more into a reflection of who Jesus was and the way that he was as a man when he was on earth. Um, in Acts chapter 15, Peter discussed as much and he said, they were, they were talking at the time about how to, um, how to integrate Gentiles into the Jewish church. Um, Jews obviously had all the religious law um, practices that they went through. And they were wondering how to bring these new believers in who weren't Jewish into the church and to coexist with them happily. And Peter makes the point that um, in Acts chapter 15, verses 8 and 9, he says, God, who knows the heart, showed us that he accepted them, that's the Gentiles, by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He didn't discriminate between them and us, for he purified their hearts by faith. So we can see in that verse it's not something that the Gentiles went through and strived for on their own. 
It's a process that they gave their lives to God and God purified their hearts. He was the one that brought that standard of righteousness into their lives. So that's my first point. We need to ask God to give us a pure heart. But secondly, there is an element to it of seeking a pure heart. Um, While I was studying for this uh, sermon this week, um, there were 14 verses in the Bible that referred to purity and purification. And most of them, 10 of them, um, took this angle of God purifying us. But there were a few verses that talked about us seeking that purification. Um, It's not a one-way street where God will just flick a switch and it will happen. It's something we have to work towards in our own lives and um, strive for. One of those verses is in, is in 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. It says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we are, or what we will be, has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All of those who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. So that's an example of knowing who we are in God, seeing Jesus as our example, and actually taking a step of striving to to meet that standard, to live up to the the sacrifice and the purity that Jesus had in his own life, in our lives. So God will do it, but we need to seek him and and work with him on that journey, on that process. And there's a third element to obtaining a pure heart. And it's definitely present in the Greek words in the New Testament here. It talks about purity as being a, a process of refinement. Um, silver, for example, you can go and dig that up out of the ground. It'll be like in a rock form. There'll be silver ore. But there's an entire process that people go through to turn that and refine it into pure silver. They have to heat it. They have to break it up. Um, there's a big process there. And at the end of the day, it, to, to obtain that silver, to obtain that purity... Um, There's that process, that fire that has to be um, passed through in order to get to that point. And uh, there's an example of this in the Old Testament with David. Um, He was a man after God's own heart. He spent his whole life seeking God and being real with him. But uh, one day when he was a general, he's sitting home um, looking out his window. Um, The army was off conquering some some, uh, Philistine or some foreign, foreign body. He was at home and he saw a beautiful woman out the window. And eventually he said, "Who's really?" Eventually he said, "That's a beautiful girl. I'm going to take her as my wife." And she was actually married to another man. Um, he arranged some circumstances so that that man was killed in battle, and he could take Bathsheba as his wife. And uh, God spoke into that situation through the prophet Nathan, and he said, "Hey, this is not on. Um, I've given you everything, um, and this is this is not acceptable." In, in, my, um, in my word. And he called him out. He said, um, you need to repent of what you've done. And to his credit, David did that. He realized that he had sinned against God. And uh, if we look at another psalm, Psalm 51, David wrote that when he was in the midst of that repentance, when he was in the midst of that trial where he'd been called out by God and God had said, you need to sort yourself out, mate, and, and get, it, get it together. And some of the verses in Psalm 51, 10, 11, and 12 say, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence, 
or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. So he was definitely going through that purification process, that refining process at that point. He was crying out to God and saying, I can't actually do this on my own. It's not a process that I'm in charge of or, or that I'm across. Lord, give me a pure heart. Refine me. Give me a willing spirit so that I am not removed from your presence. So once again, we see that it's God who needs to create that pure heart in his life and in our lives. But sometimes if we're just cruising along in our own wheelhouse, if we're comfortable with where we're at, there's not a lot of room for God to operate in that area. There's not a lot of room for him to be God because we're comfortable. Um, we don't need him in our day-to-day -day life to survive. But when we go through trials, when we go through trouble, that's the time where we can call on God. That's where that refinement happens. Just like the silver, we, we get a bit of a blowtorch put on us. And at that point, it, it pulls us off that comfortable track where we're just cruising along. And um, God can work in that situation to build that pure heart within us. I just want to pause at that point and look at the example of Joseph in the Old Testament. And uh, out of all the Bible stories, people go through ups and downs, but I think he got, he was pretty, it was pretty tough, the trial that he went through. So he was a young guy, God had given him a vision. He was the, the youngest born of his family, and his mum and dad were quite old, so he was the golden child. He was the one that they sort of spoiled and treated, and I, I can relate to that as Joe can, as the youngest. Sorry, Deb, it's not everyone's inheritance. <laughs> but um, he, God gave him a dream and, and showed him that his brothers and his mum and dad were one day going to bow down to him. So the first thing he did was he toddled off and told them all about it. And uh, I think probably we can conclude from that story that he thought he was a little bit better than everyone else. And uh, once that was done, it didn't really end well. He was thrown in a well by his brothers and sold as a slave and carted off to Egypt. So, so much for his inheritance there. But then he was put in charge of a man called Pontifer, in charge of his house. He was a faithful servant and he rose through the ranks and eventually, um, because God was blessing what he was doing, he became the top servant there. And I bet he thought, it doesn't specifically say, but I think maybe he thought he was a little bit better than everyone else at that point. And then uh, one day, Pontifer's wife tried to seduce him and as a result of that, um, he got thrown into prison, and God had to refine him once again to bring his spirit closer to where he needed to be for his, his plans to be fulfilled. So Joseph's in prison. He's sort of doing the hard yards in there. And then there's two officials from Pharaoh's court who are also thrown in prison, a cupbearer and a baker. And uh, they have some dreams, and Joseph's inter Joseph interprets those dreams. And he says to the cupbearer, you're going to be restored to the court. Um, Pharaoh's going to forgive you and he's going to bring you back to where you were. Uh, the baker, not so much. He came to a sticky end. But Joseph was faithful and he interpreted those dreams for those people. And they came true. He was proven to be correct in terms of the word of God and his connection to God. And I bet at that point, Joseph thought, hey, I'm in prison. I've been faithful. The jailer sort of put me in charge of the prison. He's blessed what I've, been, what I've been doing. I've interpreted this dream faithfully for the cupbearer. I'm sure everything's going to come right now. I'm sure this is it. This is where my inheritance comes forth. 
But uh, what happened was the cupbearer left and went back to Pharaoh and forgot about Joseph. And it was another two years in prison uh, before he was redeemed and taken on the next step. So we see three levels of, of refinement, three levels of purity that Joseph had to go through in his journey before he got to the point where he interpreted Pharaoh's dream and Pharaoh put him in charge of the land. He was able to save the, the um, Egyptians and his family from famine that was coming on the land. And eventually all those words that God had spoken into his life came true. But God wasn't able to do that with the initial Joseph, the one that we meet who was young and conceited. He had to go through a multi-layer process of refinement before he was at a point where God could trust him with the things and the inheritance that he had for him. And I think probably the point that he got to was where eventually the outcome didn't matter to Joseph at all. Um, It didn't matter to him whether or not God would actually bring this word to pass in his life. What mattered, what was important was the process. It was the character that God was building in Joseph so that he could handle that inheritance, that fame, that fortune, that blessing that God was going to bestow on him. So I encourage you guys today, if there are trials, if there is trouble that you're going through, it's not always the case and it's not everyone's inheritance, but maybe there's a process of refinement that you're going through where God's using that conflict, uh, that turmoil, that, that trouble to shape your spirit in the way that he would have you. He's putting that pure heart into your life. And it's not a comfortable process. It's not an easy process, but maybe what comes out of that, God's going to use for good. Maybe that's a step that we have to go through for God to refine us and shape us into the the person, um, the character that we need um, to enter into that blessing. So I think that's how we get a pure heart. We ask God for it. We seek it ourselves. And just be aware that there may be a refining process that we need to go through as well before God will bring that. And then thirdly, what happens when we get this pure heart from God? And if we jump back to Psalm 24, uh, the verses after those four virtues are listed, say in verse 5, He shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. So what happens when we get a pure heart? We receive blessing and we receive righteousness. And uh, I was struggling a bit in this section to, to think of an illustration because I'm, I'm not there. I'm not standing in front of you as someone who's arrived and ticks those boxes and says, yep, my heart's pure. Um, but I remembered um, last year in about February, um, my business, iTicket, sales event ticketing, um, and we were doing some cash flow forecasting for the next year, and traditionally we have a really bumper summer when all the festivals are on, and then we sort of hit a peak and then go into winter, and, and we've really just got the theatre stuff that goes on when the weather's bad. So we sort of have this roller coaster of cash flow that goes up and down each season. And it was looking a bit grim, actually, uh, last February. We didn't really... I, I was getting to the point where I was losing a bit of sleep at night, wondering if we were going to have to restructure things or... Um, pull some levers that we didn't want to pull. But um, I got to the point, sort of that refining point, where I said, God, I'm not going to be consumed with the outcome anymore. I'm not going to say, or try and do things in my own strength. I'm going to just give it to you and trust that you will provide for us in this situation. And God did that. Um, pretty much within that week, uh, we had a 
call from a client who'd just come back. It was Weber Brothers Circus, who'd just done a world tour. And they were coming back to New Zealand and needed a ticketing partner who was going to work with them um, for the two years that they're going to be circulating around New Zealand. And for us, that was a perfect client because they do a lot of shows every week. Um, and it's consistent cash flow right through the summer and the winter. There's people riding motorbikes and trapezing in some town in New Zealand. So God definitely um, provided for that once I got to the point where I said, God, it's not about me anymore. It's not about what I can do for you. I'm just going to give that situation to you. So he was able to unlock that blessing um, in that situation once I gave it over to him. And I hope that's an encouragement for you guys today. Probably you guys probably don't feel that you've got that pure heart, you've got it all sorted, but if, if there's a particular situation that you're struggling with, once again, we can bring that blessing by just yielding to God, by giving that situation to him and letting him be God in that situation. Secondly, having a pure heart unlocks trust. We can trust in God completely once we give that to him and, and don't try and manipulate the outcome or strive for an achievement on our own. And there's an entrepreneur, there's a couple of groups that I belong to, and, and really the world solution to troubles in your business is to work harder, is to work longer, and to strive for more results through your own effort. But that's the world's view, and God's view is, is a is bit of a turnaround to that. We can trust in God, we can trust in his character and, and his blessing once we give that to him and yield to him. Sometimes it's an exercise of faith to only work the 40 hours and not throw extra resource at the problems that we're having and, and try and solve them through our own toil. But I just encourage you to, to know that that option is there if you're, if you're in trouble, if you're having some issues at the moment. Maybe it's not a solution to, to spend more time at work and less time with your family. Maybe God's trying to bring a blessing in your life, but he's trying to teach you that he can provide for you in the way that he did for them. And I think there's a illustration of that in the Old Testament with Gideon. Um, the Midianites had invaded Israel because each generation sort of goes off the rails and forgets about what God did. So God had brought the Midianites in. But he raised Gideon up to deliver them when they cried out to him for, for um, a rescue. And Gideon gathered an army of um, 32,000 people and said, right, God, I'm ready to go, let's go. And God said, no, don't go. You've got too many people. Everyone who's a bit, bit wary of going into battle, just send them home and just keep the ones who are really keen, really fired up to go into battle against these guys. So that dropped the number in his army from 32,000 to 3,000. And God's, uh, Gideon said, okay, let's go, I'm ready to go. But God said, not yet, you've got too many people in this army. And he took them down to a brook and got them to separate the people who drank a certain way. And he ended up with 300 people against the Midianites. And it was at that point that we can see that Gideon knew that the result was no longer based on his toil or on the skill of the Israelite army. It was purely going to be an, an issue of God delivering them into their hands with 300 people. And God was faithful. God did that for him. And he can do that for us today as well. If we trust God for our situation, then he can meet our need in that area. And thirdly, when we get a pure heart, we will see God. That's a promise in the New Testament Beatitude. Um, Seth might cover this soon. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. 
And I think seeing God there refers to seeing God. Obviously, we'll go and be with him in the the life to come, but also in this life. God's presence is unlocked. Um, His trustworthiness, his the ability to put our cares and our worries onto him, that's available to us now if we trust in him. If we have a pure heart, then we will see God. We will enter into his presence. We'll see his glory. We'll be comforted by his grace. But it frees us up from having to toil in the way that the world toils. It's no longer up to us to bring the result in any situation. We can actually yield that to God and let him bring that to us. So in conclusion, I just encourage you guys this week to marinate on what a pure heart means for you. Whatever situation you're in, what does that look like? Ask God to give it to you, to give you that pure heart, whatever you need to, um, to be in that situation, and seek it from yourself. And I think this will unlock a whole lot of goodness in your life, a whole lot of blessing, as we've seen in these verses. And actually, at the end of the day, that's the way that God's created us to be. That's the way he's designed us to be. We're not supposed to just live our lives in our own strength and try to do things and make achievements and see things in our own strength. We need to yield those to God and let him be God in our lives. Just one more verse in conclusion from John, chapter 16. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And that's a really good summary of what I'm saying today. There will be trouble. That's a promise, essentially, that God, that Jesus made in the, in the Bible. Just because we're Christian, we don't skip that. We don't get to pass, go, and collect $200. <laughs> we, yeah, sometimes he will rescue us. But... He also says there will be trouble. But he says we can have peace because we know that God has overcome. Jesus has overcome. So take heart. Let's just close in prayer. Father God, I thank you that you are God. You are all-powerful. You are all-knowing. And whatever we're going through today, Lord, we can trust that in you we have the solution. In you we have the answer, Lord, that we need. And it may be that we need to yield that thing to you and and let go of that outcome and trying to achieve it in in our own strength. I just ask that you would show us, Lord, your spirit and help us to be in that process with you, Lord, where you shape and you refine our spirits so that we can have a pure heart in you. I just pray wherever we are, Lord, touch us, bless us, keep us close, Lord, to you. And uh, just help us become more and more dependent on you. Help us and shape us into more and more like, like Christ was, Lord, when he was on earth. And, Lord, that's a process that you have to do in us, Lord. It's not something that we can just achieve through our own, our own strength, our own toil. So just bless us, Lord, this week in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.